Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. Hello to you both in person. My adulthood friend, Minty Booth. I love my grandma. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week is very special because for the first time we have gathered in person to record this. We are. We are sat in Wales. Gathered around just an entire table. Just a full table. A lot of you won't know that Chris actually resides on the other side of the country and we have him phone in to record on the podcast. So it is a great pleasure to welcome him into my humble abode to record this very special episode. This week, we are talking about our number 96s. But before we do that, gentlemen, what have we been playing this week? I mean, we've had a, a couple of hours just enjoying each other. We've both been watching you um, beat, who was it, um, Gerald, the first hunter? That's right. Bloodborne. Correct. Yeah. Yes. With Jermaine Greer, the final boss. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So after beating Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu, I thought, yes, I have had a wonderful time playing this delightful childlike adventure. So I wanted to do something similar. And so I played Bloodborne, a <laughs> gothic horror game made by the creators of Dark Souls. And I must say, it is superb. I can't believe I'm so late to the party. I think I picked it up initially, had a play, went, this is too hard, went on to other things, just in life. And then, thankfully, after getting involved in Dark Souls, I decided to revisit Bloodborne and have had a marvellous, marvellous time. I actually think it is a better game than Dark Souls. It would, I reckon, be in my top 20 if we were redoing, uh, redoing our list. That's it's, high praise. It's superb. It took everything that was great about Dark Souls, streamlined it, added some Lovecraft. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. And so I've now bought Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 3, so you can expect me to be talking about both of those in the coming weeks. Strap yourselves in, boys, because I've been playing the same thing that I've been playing for the past two weeks. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still working through Pokemon Let's Go. Eevee. My name's not Eevee. I'm playing the game to beat it now, as opposed to just, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find my perfect IV Nidoran who's also shiny and all that nonsense. I'm just going to beat the game first and then worry about all that. Just do it. Just do a darn good complete. Yeah, yeah. Com complete <clears throat> all over it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to play it in the way that I would if my dad was looking over my shoulder. So I guess you're not naming any Diglett's condom anymore then. <laughs> Chris, what have you been playing this week? Just endless runs of uh, Tetris Effect. Oh, wonderful. Still playing Tetris Effect. And I will still be playing Tetris Effect for the rest of my life, I would say. Tetris will not be bettered. And it really is an experience that I think it's going to be a shame at the end of the year when other kind of publications and stuff online starts putting together kind of like best of lists and stuff like that. Things like Red Dead is going to like inevitably rank really highly just because of the amount of hype it had building up to it. But in 10 years, no one will care about Red Dead 2 and everyone should still care about Tetris Effect. Wonderful. Another excellent week of gaming under our belts. Hmm. So let's move on to the reason why we're here. Chris, would you please grace us with your number 96 in your list, please? 
I can. Uh, now, we've spent uh, kind of a week teasing each other on, on what our kind of suggestions might be or, or what our choices for 96 was going to be. And I mentioned in passing that it was on a platform we hadn't had yet. And we have now had the whole week of Jonathan attempting to guess what platform this game is going to be on. This is our first mobile game on the list. Whoa! Yeah, I think the thing about mobile gaming, it gets a lot of stick because it's often seen as kind of like a more casual way to play games. And especially when you kind of have the, the divide between the sort of the casual and the hardcore, sometimes people consider kind of it an inferior way of playing games. And to an extent, I agree sometimes. But I think it's all about games having to kind of serve the platform they're on. And a lot of the times you do have games which feel like watered down concepts that you would normally have on a console or that you'd have somewhere else. And the, the games I've kind of thought work best on mobile are ones that fit that format. So something you can play for 30 seconds, something you can play for a little bit longer if you've got a bit of time to kill. Uh, and something that works with the limitations of like, you know, modern touch devices and stuff like that. So this game is Desert Golfing. If anyone oh, played or heard of Desert Golfing. Yes. In fact, you told me to get that and I got it. It's a game that you start at the beginning and you never end, essentially. So it is infinite in that sense. That every every single stage, a little platform appears with your kind of ball on it. Somewhere along kind of like a, a procedurally generated like single screen hole, there'll be your little flag or, or what you're aiming to putt towards. And using kind of like an Angry Birds style sort of drag back and, and flick sort of mechanic, you're just trying to get your ball into the hole. And each hole then, when you do sink it, the screen just moves along to another screen where wherever the hole was is now the new tee, and then you just putt towards another hole. And it works brilliantly because it does this all without any sort of fanfare or traditional way of like scoring that sort of game. So you're not given like a par score for any hole because they're all kind of like generated on the fly and sometimes you'll have very difficult holes, sometimes you have very easy holes. And at the top of the screen, the only bit of feedback you're given is just the total number of shots you've had for the entire duration that you've played the game and how many total shots you've had for that single hole. So you can kind of, you, you set your own goals maybe and say, okay, well, I'm going to try and get an average of maybe three or four shots per hole kind of thing. But that's never really the point because even when you do get a hole in one, you're not given any extra fanfare, you're not given a flash of anything or a sound effect even to say you've, you've done well. It's kind of anti-mobile gaming in that it, it goes against a lot of those sort of tropes where it's like, oh, share with your friends to get free lives or something like that. It really is. It's, it's a singular experience that you can play. Like I said, for one hole might take you 10 seconds or one hole might take you a week on and off if you're playing just bits and pieces. But it, it always feels fulfilling. I've always found golf games very therapeutic anyway. And yeah, I think I played desert golfing. I remember you told me about it. Mm. And then I saw the icon and it was it looked like uh, the same sort of color scheme as Journey. Yeah. And I think that was actually one of the inspirations for it. I think it, it is. Yeah, I remember reading. Like you said, it's just it's such a refreshing sort of change for what mobile games are. I think there's a lot of uh, snobbery around uh, mobile gaming. Like yeah. you said, you know, people um, are very, very, especially in the gaming community, people say, you know, if somebody says, I'm a gamer, I play on my whatever game on my phone. They're like, mm, yeah, you're not a real gamer though, are you? And I've put in more hours into games on my phone than I have on any console probably yeah. in the last, Easily. you know, Easily. however many years. But like you said, the best games are the ones that are kind of designed for that format. So it is the stuff that is pick up and play. It is stuff that is forgettable that you can just kind of go, yep, brilliant. That was fun. What's, you know, here's the bus. The, the last thing to kind of add on, on Desert Golfing as well is that as an experience, it's it's really streamlined. Like you say, it's, it's really simple. It loads in like a, a split second. And it's kind of, it's a very meditative game. It's something that you can kind of really zone out and just enjoy for the, the couple minutes you might have to kill. And because of the way the scoring works as well, it's something that's purely about like the journey of it 
as the, the kind of process of playing through it as opposed to like an end sort of victory state. Glancing across this table we are sat around, Jonathan has whipped out Desert Golfing and is yeah. now using my, my monotone voice as a, as a backdrop for his own golf session. It's a good little game, isn't it? It's a great game. Moving on, we have my entry for the week. So this game, my number 96, is one of, the, it's one of my earliest video game memories. The excitement of having a console and having a game, plugging the game into the console loading it up, playing it. There's a lot of things there to sort of engage with and look forward to. Now, this will blow your mind. What if you didn't put the game, a game into the console? Oh, what? And you turned it on, and there was a game there anyway. Oh. No, that's, that doesn't... That's not, that's not a real thing. I know. Chris knows. I know. My number 96 is the built-in game that came with the Master System 2, Alex Kidd in Miracle World. Oh, hello. Oh... So my brother had a Master System 2 for his birthday and uh, Alex Kidd was installed on it. And I just remember seeing him play it. I remember trying to play it myself. I remember being terrified of so many things in the first level because it was just so terrifying. Within the first few seconds of the game, you sort of figure out what the mechanics are. Yeah, you can punch, you can run and jump, you can punch blocks. Some blocks have a star on it and there'll be an item in that. However, like the sixth star block that you find just kills you <laughs> it just kills you it kills you yeah you, you punch it and it's just a skull and then death comes after you and i mean that's terrifying and also insanely unfair i mean i know i've been talking about like dark souls and really hard <laughs> games but like you know why you've died in that and you think yeah okay knowing what's happening i could you know kind of could prevent that but there's nothing suddenly going yep no sorry we've decided that you are dead now i think it's interesting that idea of like sudden death and things because in alex kid in enchanted castle the mega drive release the bosses of each stage was essentially just rock paper scissors yeah that's what it was in this one as is well. it still in that as well yeah there's no way you would know there was even a little power up that you could get so that you could see what the boss was thinking <laughs> But he carried on thinking and changing his mind after you made your decision. So it was it was literally like, yeah, it was rock, paper, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's it was a, like saying, toss a coin, do you want to go on? It's a brutally unfair game to, yeah. to lose like your last life yeah. just because you couldn't predict what the AI of the game was going to pick. But also, as just a base platform game, it was incredibly hard. There were some really tough jumps to make because it was, it was actually surprisingly fast. It was a lot faster than Mario. Mm. And then it would just throw in new mechanics at you and just chuck you in like all of a sudden you'd be like oh yep no we're in a helicopter now and this is a little side scrolling bit or we're on a motorbike that jumps or there's some goats a motorbike some goats or some bear a bear a bear and then you get a power up that just sends out like a hundred mini alex kit it's no yeah there's a lot of strange stuff in it that with very little explanation and you just got to go you know and the only way you can kind of learn is by kind of trying it failing it and then desperately trying to get to the end. But I never completed it. I had a go at playing it again a couple of years ago, thinking like, oh, okay, yes, with all my kind of modern computer game savvy, I reckon it's probably not as hard as I remember. It is. It is. And it's still rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the thing. This is the thing. It's not the sort of thing you can master, really, is it? No. But yeah, I have a lot of very, very fond memories uh, about Alex Kidd. It was, you know, a real staple of my childhood. Uh, the music will stay in my head forever. 
I wouldn't say it was fun to play. <laughs> People always used to say that, you know, video games used to be a lot harder and all of that. And, you know, that's part of what inspired Dark Souls in some modern gaming. Well, it's because they were so short, wasn't it? Exactly. That's the thing. If you blasted through Alex Kidd in one go, you'd complete it in 15 minutes. Hmm. But the longevity, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a 40 hour game because there was 40 hours of content. It was 40 hours of your life you had to put into <laughs> just trying it over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, there we have it. Number 96 in my all-time favourite video games is Alex Kidd in Miracle World on the Sega Master System 2. Lovely. Great. Minty, would you care to round this episode off with your number 96 in your top 100 video games of all time? I would, yes. So, uh, my number 96 is probably the most modern game that, uh, that we've covered so far. And it's only so low on this list because of what I feel was my inability to enjoy it on, a, on the level which um, I think was required of me. Because I went through the game... And I had a lovely time with it. Really, really good game. Very, very strong game mechanics. And I enjoyed what the storyline, the narrative and the cutscenes. But reading up on it and realizing that I missed out on basically an apocrypha of lore, I realized that I could have enjoyed it so much more. But by that time, I'd actually given my uh, the console that it was on away. So the, the true enjoyment of the game um, is one that is going to elude me. The game I'm talking about is Bioshock Infinite. Oh, okay. Really, really strong first-person shooter with a really great story with uh, Booker DeWitt. Mm. Um, is Elizabeth? Yep. Elizabeth. And that big old bird that's just like, oh, I'm part of this game too. <laughs> I had a blast playing through it, but then I realised that I missed out on about a whole load of the lore of uh, New Columbia and why it was uh, just a big old thing in the sky and what Father Comstock had done to become the great prophet. But to be honest, that didn't really matter because it didn't take my initial enjoyment of the game because I spent, you know, 30 hours just destroying airborne fanatics, as is their way. Do you remember how you got Bioshock Infinite? I do, yes. I was going to mention this because I think it's the first inter-presenter gift because you just randomly bought it for me. So, yeah, I played... Bioshock Infinite, and I was absolutely blown away by it. For me, it was one of those things where it did absolutely what you couldn't do in another medium. So it wasn't like I could just tell you what the story was and why it was so great. You had to play it. So I thought, you know what? You need to play this game. And I bought it for you. You, you did buy it for me at a point when I was um, at, a, at an extremely vulnerable point in my life in terms of my mental health. So it was more of an escapist thing that I could just sort of, you know, play and just forget the world and just go through it and be done with it. Mm. I think video games hold that uh, not, I guess, necessarily uh, a completely escapist role in one's life, but just something that you can focus on, which gives you uh, a positive outlet. So that I could uh, unravel this mystery of just who Elizabeth is and who Booker DeWitt is and what the Latruces are doing. Like that, 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 that was enough of me at that point in time. But if I was able to play it again now, I would be able to, uh, to enjoy the, uh, on the older voice recorders. There's a great big bird outside. That's it. That's all there was, actually. I'm growing a beard. I mean, Bioshock Infinite, I've not played Infinite. 
or indeed two, or much of one. So I, I'm not that well-versed on the whole franchise, but it's something I've always wanted to play. Hmm. And I think I, I played a chunk of the original one when it came out on the 360, because at the time it was like, oh, it looks great. Like The graphics are amazing. That's, yeah, that was the kind yeah. of year that it was like, you know, the, the big push for HD in, in kind of hmm. like home console gaming. And I think I, I bought it around that time and probably played the first couple hours, and then it just, for whatever reason, escaped me. I, th- I think I played games very differently in that sort of... I was playing purely just... I don't know. I played for a lot of achievements at the time. I, I think that kind of drove a lot of what I was choosing to play because it kind of became like a wider goal that I was just chasing that as, as like a score as opposed to now we're talking about these things and the actual weight of, of experience that we have with these different different things over the years. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's just something I need to play, I guess. I remember playing about three hours of the original Bioshock. That was it because um, I rented it from Blockbuster. Oh. If you can remember, Blockbuster. Pour out a drink for Blockbuster. <laughs> I only played a little bit of the first one. Um, I just remember finding it a bit too scary. I thought it was scary It was really too. scary. Yeah. Um, and that's why I was so thrilled that sort of Bioshock Infinite was not a horror game. But yes, um, I appreciate you uh, giving me that gift. One day I hope to enjoy it again on a, maybe a HD remaster platform so that I can enjoy the rich and sopping lore which I have come to realise that I missed out on on a side note do you remember what game you bought me in return as a kind of a return like ah oh, you're like this you got me Bioshock Infinite what a game that Minty bought you mm-hmm. oh boy gifted it to me on Steam what, what was it Jonathan tell us it was the classic rotating limousine game Roundabout Roundabout <laughs> there oh, we go oh boy great game not in my top 100. So, <laughs> Neither uh, mine, but... I think I won that uh, game of who gives the better game. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Which I admit you didn't know you were playing. Everything is a competition. <laughs> it means everything to me. <laughs> and on that beautiful note, we wrap it up for another week. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for gifting us with your entries. We had... Desert Golfing. And then we had Alex Kid in Miracle World. And finally, we had Bioshock Infinite from me, Minty Booth. (laughs) Yours sincerely, our three cents. Always remember how precious you are. Always remember, check under your bonfires for hedgehogs. (laughs) Not the bonfire. (laughs) Your compost pile. That's let me finish <laughs> for you do not want to miss out <laughs> on that roasted spiky treat <laughs> oh. if you want to ask us any questions about anything that's happened today then please do get in touch you can find me on twitter at jonathan dunn you can find me at chaz underscore hodges you can't find me on twitter because i don't like it so you can find me on instagram drunk olivander Use the hashtag Our3Cents and join us next week for our number 95s. Bye. Bye.